Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Well, in John chapter 17, we get an entire chapter of Jesus praying. Why has this chapter not been paramount in our lives? This is the one time we get to see into this conversation between Jesus and the Father. So I'm probably going to read the whole chapter. Is that all right, y'all? Mainly because I love Scripture. Satan hates Scripture. Jesus loves Scripture. So we're going to read some today. Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. Notice the connotations that Jesus is going to use through this entire thing. He says, Jesus, he says, Yahweh, God, glorify your Son, because until I'm glorified, I can't even properly glorify you. Now's the time. Right now in this moment is the time, he's saying, for you to glorify me in a way that it turn around and by, by happenstance, that's not the word I want, by nature, when I am glorified by you, it will bring glory to you. It reminds me of a scripture, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He said, Father, Now is the time. The hour has come. What hour? What was Jesus about to experience? He was about to experience the greatest betrayal of his life, and he was about to experience the beginning of the end. He was about to go into a moment of persecution, of heartache, of betrayal, of the cross, of being beaten, all these types of things he's about to go in, and he starts saying, God, now's the time. Now glorify me in this moment that I may in turn glorify you as, as you have given me all authority, all authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. In this passage where Jesus, we're about to look into Jesus' prayer, the word glory, glorify, glory, all those things is used more in this passage than anywhere else in the Bible. And there's two parallel themes through this whole prayer, and it's glory and unity. We get a look into one prayer of Jesus, and the two things he chooses to make the entire prayer about is glory and unity. Now, you have to understand that in Scripture, glory takes on many different uh, facets. One version of glory is we see it, and his glory shone upon them. So glory is, con, uh, is, is presented as a light. It's presented as something that is shining. One thing we know about glory that, that you've probably heard a lot is it means weighty. It means heavy. The glory of God can be heavy and weighty. And so glory takes all these different facets. And through this prayer, Jesus uses it in several different ways. But I want you to pay attention to this because he's starting to show us that there are different levels, different facets, different approaches to glory. Because he says, Oh, Father, glorify me together with you, with the glory which I had. So notice, the glory he had in heaven was not the same glory he had on earth. We're just going to read the scriptures, all right? Glorify with the same glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to men whom you have given me out of the world, and they were yours. You gave them to me, and they kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you, for I have given them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have known them, have known surely that I come forth from you, and they believe that you sent me. 
I pray for them. Catch this next phrase, because it threw me for a loop. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. And I pumped the brakes. I was like, wait a minute. We get one look into one prayer session with Jesus, and he makes such a bold statement. So I want to show you something. In the Passion Translation, Dr. Brian Simmons translates John 17 in the most phenomenal way I personally have seen and read. Uh, And in this, he makes such an incredible uh, statement here. So John 17 and 9, he says, So with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelievable, but the the and into a unity of the faith. This is what consumes the heart of Jesus as he prays before the cross. Jesus was so committed to you being the answer that he didn't even pray for the world. Let that sink in. He was he was so committed that I don't have to pray for the world. I just have to pray for you, and you'll change the world. He was so committed to the idea of you being the answer that he leaves us with such an incredible statement as. I don't pray for the world. I'm praying for those that you have given me. And all are mine and yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those who you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in this world, I kept them in your name, those who you gave me and I have kept. And none of them is lost except for the son of perdition, and the scripture may be fulfilled. But now that I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given, you, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I want you to notice something in the middle of this. He's saying... God, you're about to take me out of this world. You're about to remove me, but they're staying. And so in the midst of this, knowing what they were about to experience, he prays, so let their joy be fulfilled. I love this. Jesus, because here's, what, here's, here's where we, we find ourselves. If whatever's happening in the world right now, whatever's happening in America, whatever's happening in these situations... Jesus knew all this was coming. He knew everything that was going to happen. In the middle of it, he declared that their joy would be full. He declared that in the midst of it all coming unraveled, they could remain in joy. That their joy would remain full. This is If you're just as messed up and scared and broken as the world, what example are we setting for the ones who are in him. But the difference is when it's all coming unraveled and a child of God can remain filled with joy in the midst of what it is. The difference is what we're allowing to come into us. The difference is what you're allowing, allowing to feed you, feed you. For instance, right now if the only thing feeding you is the... Uh, <laughs> That message by Chris Valentin. The only thing feeding you is this angry mob called social media. If that's the only thing feeding you right now, it's easy not to be in joy. But if you're also, but if you're paying attention to what's happening in the kingdom realm, because although America may look dark, the kingdom is not. And the kingdom is advancing on many fronts. 
You have to pay attention to what's feeding you. Because right now they're getting testimonies of Muslim countries where millions of Muslims are being saved by the month. That looks like the kingdom winning to me. That looks like light growing. That looks like the kingdom advancing. There's a, a moving, traveling, I don't know how you call it, revival that's breaking out in California and New York right now where people are getting saved on the streets, baptized in fountains in the middle of town squares because God is doing some things. But we don't know what he's doing if I'm only listening to the angry mob called social media and CNN and Fox News. If that's what's feeding me, I don't understand. So it's easy to get depressed and it's easy to get, oh my God, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. No, it's not. No, it's not. The kingdom is advancing. And if you, how do I say this? I was trying to run some of this by my wife and Colby this week of how to even say some of these things that I'm seeing in the spirit. That if we choose to judge the kingdom based on what America is doing, we've missed it. America is not the kingdom of God. It's just another country. It's the greatest one, and it's my favorite one. But it's not the kingdom of God. So we have to be very careful because America is coming unraveled. And there is a lot happening right now. But me being overwhelmed with the unraveling is not going to fix the situation. It's investing into the kingdom. It's going into a place and saying we have to get back to the kingdom of Yahweh for this to be right. We have to get back to this place. We have to understand that Jesus said, I'm not even praying for them because I'm so convinced of you. I'm so bought into you that I'm not even going to pray for them. This statement has been rocking me. This week I've had some crazy encounters in, in the community. None were what we would consider huge supernatural moments. And, and I, didn't, I didn't get to prophesy. Well, I guess I did. It depends on how you look at that. I didn't get to pray for someone them here, but I had some encounters in the community this week. And the whole time I could just feel the Holy Spirit stirring in me. This is happening because you're among them. Because you're out here in them and you're carrying what they're looking for. You're, I told Courtney I went into a, a store, uh, maybe it was yesterday or the day before. And I walked into this store and when I left I told her, I said, my gosh, I feel like I'm running for office. Everybody just kept coming up to me and wanting to talk and ask questions and be engaged. And we were sitting in a, we were in a, a small store and we were just packed in there, a bunch of us. Uh, and, and, and there was all of a sudden, it was like nobody was worried about what was happening. Everyone was engaged in the moment. And as I left, God just began to speak to me and show me, I've made you the answer. I've made you the answer, but if you're only being fed the same thing they're being fed, you don't have what they need. And so he began to put me in these situations. This week I was reminded by a pastor of how all of the Old Testament prophets who declared the word of the Lord and brought change, they did it from amongst the people. They were in the middle of it. They weren't hiding out in churches and synagogues and praying that this thing blows over. They were in the middle of this thing because they knew they were the answer. They knew they had what the world was after. Jesus is praying in this moment, and he says, you know what, I'm not even going to pray for them because you're going to be the one that changes it. You're going to be the one that changes your community. You're going to be the one that sees it turned upside down. You are. So Jesus said, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm just going to pray for you. And then he makes an even bolder statement. If I can find it. Fifteen. Who said that? Mike, thank you. Jesus says, I'm not asking that you remove them from this world. He knew what was coming. He knew what was going to be happening. And Jesus said, never at one moment did I ever think I want you to remove them. Because I'm so convinced they're the answer. He was so convinced that it would be the ones that believe in his message would impact the world that he said, no, I'm not going to snatch them out of there. They're the answer. Why would I remove the answer? 
If they're what brings change, why would I remove the agent of change? He said, no, 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 no. They're going to stay. And they're going to be the ones. They're going to be the answer. They're going to be the ones living in the glory. Back to 14. I have given them your message, and that is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to this world. Because I'm not of this world. I'm not asking you to remove them from the world. I'm just asking that you would guard their hearts from the evil one. Just keep them and protect them. Just keep them and protect them. Can I tell you, if you start living in this, if you start pursuing the kingdom, if you start saying, God, the kingdom is the answer and that's what we want, you're going to need him to protect you. You're going to need him to guard you. I've always said I want my kids to, to, to dream so big that they have to have God. I want them to dream on such levels that they need God to protect them and they need God to keep them and they need God to preserve them because they're going after big things. They're going after big, it's bigger than a paycheck and it's, it's bigger than getting through life and it's bigger than holding on till the end. It's about making a change. It's about being glorified. It's about the fact that Jesus himself said, you are the answer. I left you here so that you would be the answer. You guys getting ready to go back to school with all these crazy new things that are going on? You're the answer. Everybody's going to show up panicked. They're going to show up in a mess. They're not sure what's going on. Some are going to hate the mask. Some are going to love the mask. Some are going to make fun of you if you do or don't wear a mask. Can I tell you, you're the answer. You're the one that brings peace into the situation. You carry something inside of you that it won't even so much be what you say. It'll be who you are. And when you come in, you carry the glory of Yahweh. And you settle it. So go ahead and lay down which version you believe is right and just go after his kingdom. Just go after his kingdom. Go after Jesus. So over the last few weeks, I'm just going to talk to you young guys for a minute and girls. Over the last few weeks, I was just in a whirlwind in my own, in my own mind. And Satan was really attacking who I am. And I didn't know who I was. And I've always struggled with believing in me and what I could do and who I am. And I could push someone else and promote someone else, but I've struggled in it. Well, thankfully, I come up under an incredible spiritual father. And that spiritual father was willing to sit me down and say, hey, where you at? <laughs> Your head's not right. Something's not there. And it brought me back into a place. And I begin to think and remember. And when I couldn't figure out who I was, you know what I started doing? I just started going to my Bible and figuring out who Jesus was. And so I started diving into who is Jesus. And the more I dove into who Jesus was, the more I began to be confident in who I am. So let me tell you, you don't have to be me. You don't have to be Pastor Anita. You don't have to be Pastor Dean. You don't have to be any of these. You go figure out Jesus. You go look at his life. Figure out what he did and what he said. And it'll build a confidence in you and who you are. And you guys are the answer. You guys are the answer. He's setting you guys up. He did it with camp last week. He's doing it with all these things y'all have been involved in. He's preparing you because you're going to be the answer. You're going to be the ones that make a difference. A lot of that's because you're not so stuck in some old way. You're ready for this way. So Jesus said, I'm not even going to pray for them because you're the answer. You're the ones that are going to make a difference. He said, and I'm not going to ask God to remove you from this world. I'm not going to ask him to snatch you out of here because I want you to be the answer. I want you to be the one that makes the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. He said, you're the answer, guys. I'm not asking you to remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil, for they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is true, so make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. Now Jesus is about to broaden his prayer. I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will believe in me through this message. 
So every believer, Jesus said, this is what I'm asking for. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for all them to become one with us. Uh, I believe a, a, a clearer translation, which Dr. Simmons puts it down here, would be, I pray for them to become one in us. I pray for them to become one in us. Why? So the world will recognize that you sent me. Did you know that disunity, <laughs> if we're not unified, we're testifying that God didn't send Jesus. If truth is truth, then it has to be truth in either direction, right? So if, if the way they'll know that God sent Jesus is us being unified, then us not being unified is testifying that God did not send him. Jesus made a, Jesus, whoa, dad made a statement last week. Sorry about that. <laughs> dad made a statement at the end of his message last week and said, we can fight for unity, but do we know why? Why are we after unity? Can I tell you this is why? Because Jesus said, they'll believe that I was sent from God by the fact that you are one. So Satan came in and said, do you know how I destroy people believing that Jesus actually came from God? I just make you not like each other. And when we are disunified, the world steps back and says, I mean, is that whole Jesus thing real? Because if Jesus was that good, you think they would like each other. And see, Jesus is tying the answer to the world which is the glorification. He is tying that, running it parallel with unity. He would not pray one without the other. The glory of God being revealed in the earth is tied directly to us becoming one. So Satan said, I know the trick. You know where he got the trick from? God. Because a long time ago, there were some people that were so unified, they said, we're going to build a tower to heaven. And because they were unified, God said, there's nothing that they can't do because they're one. So what did God do? He divided them. Well, later on, a church is birthed, and they are so one, Satan says, there's nothing they can't do. So I'm going to act like God, and I'm just going to divide them. And if I can divide them, they become powerless. If I split them up, the world begins to question their message. If they're not unified in one, then the world begins to say, well, what about this? And did this really happen? And is this really part of it? He said, when they are one, the world will recognize. The world would have to recognize based on our unity, based on our oneness. That's why it's fought so hard. That's why as soon as you start going through something, your first inclination is to pull away. Let me, let me separate myself. Let me, let me disconnect myself. Why? Because unity is holy. Right. Unity is divine. It's the very nature and characteristic of God. He is three in one and one in three, and he is so indivisible. He is so recognized as one, Dad said the other day, that some denominational preferences argue over the fact, is he one or is he three? That's how unified he is. What if the body of Christ was unified on a level where the world had to say, are they one or are they a bunch of them? I don't know because every time I run into one, it feels just like I ran into the other one. He said, God, make them one so they'll recognize I came from you. Man. I, I, it's so crazy because Jesus puts this at such a high place, this unity of recognizing that he came from God. He didn't even put the barometer on signs, wonders, and miracles. Me and Colby got into an incredible conversation tonight about signs, wonders, and miracles biblically are the prophetic witness of a correct message. So when you begin to see this, that signs, wonders, and miracles follow them that believe, it follows this place where I become so one. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm praying for those who believe this message 
You see where I'm going with this? You see the connection here? And so, so Satan knew he couldn't come to us and take our message. I mean, we will fight you over my message. But the problem is I'll fight you. <laughs> Y'all didn't catch it. See, we, we held the message way up here. I'm not degrading the message. Please don't take it this way. But Jesus was saying, if you want them to believe what you're saying, you got to be one. you got to be unified. If you want them to believe when you say, God sent Jesus to the earth and died for the world. They, their belief is instigated or elevated or however you want to do it when they see us as one. Unify. Unity and glory. I ask not only for these, but those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray that they all be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one in us, so the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory, the very glory that you have given me, I gave it to them. This scripture is blowing my mind right now. He said, Abba, by the way, that, that glory thing you gave me, I just gave it to them. I told Colby in prayer this week, I could just see Jesus just being so excited, like, God, guess what I did? You know, the whole glory thing you gave me, I just gave it to them. They're so the answer, I just gave it to them. It's like, now your glory. This is so good. This is you. Remember, he said, to everyone who believes, then he says, the glory you gave me, I gave it to them. Oh, I want so bad to do the Oprah thing right now. You got glory, and you got glory. And you, check under your seat, and you got glory. He said, I just gave it to them. I, I, in prayer this week, it was, so, it was, such, a, it was such an incredible moment of just, just seeing this thing where Jesus was like, man, all these years, all this work we've been putting in, all this thing, this was it. He said, all that glory. I just gave it to them. You didn't earn it. You didn't do something good enough to get it because he hasn't even went to the cross yet when he makes this statement. He said, this glory, I just gave it to them. And I had to, I had to pay attention here because it was, it, was, it was butting heads with Isaiah 42 and 8 where God said, the Lord God is my name and I'll give my, I will not give my glory to another. And so I was, there was this wait a second, does he not give it or does he give it or what's going on here? And for me personally coming up in the church, Isaiah 42 and 8 was a, it was a more of a negative approach to, to you boasting or you stealing glory from God as if we could do anything good enough to take anything glory from him. I mean, that's just pride in itself, but it was used to just bring this down. And I always heard, Isaiah 42 and 8. But never once did I hear John 17, 22. So I begin to dive into this and look and see what's, what's taking place. So I begin to look at this glory that Jesus is talking about because he says, I gave them the glory you gave me. And earlier in the prayer, he says, restore me back to the glory I had when I was with you. So I begin to look at these and dive into them. And I actually had to search through three different Greek and Hebrew words uh, to put together an understandable definition. And I'm going to try to explain this to you the best way that I can because when it came to me in prayer, I was just, I don't know, I was just rocked by this. But this glory we're talking about actually comes from a word and, and one of the simplest forms, like I said, I had to go through like three different words, is doxa. And really what this breaks down to is it's to account unto one and show to others Great pride and pleasure in. So if you take that and look at it, I begin to think about when I was reading the scripture, the glory I've given you, you gave me, I gave it to them. It made me think of John 1.14. In the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and it dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. I love John 1.14 because he breaks down glory for us. We beheld his glory, comma, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So what was the glory? This is the glory. The glory was, as the only begotten of the Father, that God would account unto Jesus 
and show unto others great pride and pleasure in his son, which we later hear him say, of whom I'm well pleased. This was the glory on Jesus' life that we got to experience. It was a glory where God said, I am accounting unto you and showing unto them my pride and good pleasure in you. This is the glory we got to behold. And Jesus says, hey, that glory that you gave me, where you accounted it unto me and you showed it unto others that you had so much pride and good pleasure in me, he said, hey, I gave it to them. I just passed it right along. So I accounted unto them and showed unto everyone else my pride and good pleasure in who they are as my sons in whom I'm well pleased. This is what he's saying in his prayer before this. This motivated me this week in a way that, that, that I'm not even sure how to explain yet. To see Jesus himself so believing in me. It's one thing to say you believe in him. But it's a whole nother thing to think that he believes in you. He so believed in you being the answer that he said, I'm not going to pray for them and this glory that God accounted unto me, I'm just accounting it unto you. And this was before the cross. So he's saying, before you do anything spectacular, I account it unto you that you have my pride and good pleasure as a son in whom I'm well pleased. And what does this have to do with my unity? Because if I can believe that about me, then I have to believe it about you. And if he accounted it unto me, then he accounted it unto you, and he accounted it unto you, and unto you. So I can't be up here and you be down here, because we haven't even gotten to the cross yet. So it puts everybody in this same place, and we become one in him. Later on in the prayer, Jesus says, so that where I am, they may be also. Well, where was he? He was in God. There, there, there's a lot of different approaches here and people take that scripture and they make it about us going to heaven or they make it about maybe him literally in that position where he was at right then. I believe you have to take the context of the prayer and realize he was saying because he just went through the discourse of uh, they are in me and I am in you and we are in, in the whole thing. So he said that where I am they may be also where? In God. In Yahweh that they may be in this. And if we're all in him, then we have to be one. We have to be in one mind and we have to be in one accord because we're in him. So for me to have a prejudice or a difference that separates me from you is for me to get out of him. To let a difference divide us, I have to get out of God. I have to get out of Yahweh. Because he said that they may be one in us. I believe there is no oneness outside of him. You can come up with the greatest programs. And you can put together the best events. And you can try to call the left side and the right side and the white side and the black side and this side. And you can come up with whatever you want. But outside of him, there is no oneness. That's why we have to be reconciled back to God, back into Him. Jesus didn't come and, and, and focus on the racial divide that was plaguing where He was at at the time. He came and focused on people being reconciled into a kingdom. And when they experienced the kingdom, all of a sudden their divisions were petty and they were useless. He came preaching a kingdom. Dad made a statement a week or so ago, and he said, when we are reconciled into the kingdom or we're reconciled to God, our differences disappear. He was preaching a kingdom. He was preaching a kingdom that was the answer to what was happening in this place, in his current situation. How do you be relevant to your current situation? The kingdom. The kingdom is the thing that touches every situation. It's the thing how did Jesus operate in the kingdom? There was a, a, a great theologian, I'm not going to try to butcher his name, but he said, he said a phrase, and that phrase means the, Jesus is the kingdom in person. Jesus is the kingdom in person. So you want to know what, it, what is the answer for what's happening right now? Go find it in Jesus. Go find it in his life. If what you're planning, prepping, saying, doing, presenting, or declaring, if you can't find it in Jesus, it's not helping. It's not the answer. 
The kingdom is the answer. When the world was as dark as you could ever imagine, much, much darker than it is right now. I think it was 400 years where God didn't say a word. Total darkness, total chaos. God said, I'm about to send the answer, and he sent it in a person who was the kingdom. He didn't come with a political agenda. He didn't come with a military agenda. He didn't come with none of those agendas. He came with the message of the kingdom. And I believe John 17 is the expression of Jesus' heart of the kingdom on earth. And the kingdom on earth looks like you glorified and united as one. And in doing so, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and His Christ. We have to we have to now more than ever start praying in to John 17 that we become one, that we become glorified, and after doing so, we have to engage our community. Gosh, he just showed me so many instances this week where people are wanting someone that has something different to just be there. And several occasions, do you know one occasion, <laughs> one occasion I, I, I went into a place and I wore, I wore a mask in there because that's what they were asking me to do. It's the first time I've broke down and actually done it. <laughs> I've been so just, gosh, this is so, ugh. But you know what I did? I put the mask on, and I just went in. And through the mask, I began to have encounters with people and moments, and God began to show me, see, when you quit putting such a high value on your preference, I put you in positions with people. But when your preference keeps you so aggravated that you can't talk and you can't do anything, you've removed yourself as the answer for the situation. And I sat in my truck and said, God, if I have to preach the gospel through a stupid mask, I will not disqualify myself from a moment where I could encounter someone and them experience the love of God because that's all they want. They don't want your doctrine, and they don't want your preference, and they sure don't want your political party. What they want is the love of God. And I stood in a store filled with people yesterday and just talked and loved on people and spoke to people, and it was like I could feel the inside of them pulling for, please don't leave yet. Please don't leave yet. And he was just using it to remind me. I didn't pray for them. I prayed for you. And after I prayed for you, I put you in there. After I prayed for you, I didn't snatch you out. I prayed for you and I put you there. So I need you to stay so one with me. So one with me. Don't step outside of me. Don't allow your preference for which way you lean right now. Don't allow that preference to cause you to step out of Him because you don't know who you're going to run into and what they need is Yahweh. They don't need you. They need Yahweh. And He said, God, I'm fully in them. And they're fully in me and I'm fully in you. And that is the answer for the world. That is the answer for the world. So, so, so we have to understand that the glory and the unity are the answer for what we're in right now. They're the answer right now. So I'm urging you, church, go into prayer, press into the heart of God. Find out who Jesus is in the situation. Lay down who you are and what you prefer and the way that you think it should be and just begin to ask. Because there was a lot of really, really good people who didn't prefer the way that John the Baptist did it, and they missed out on what he was bringing. 
And then when Jesus stepped on the scene, there was a lot of really good people who didn't like the way that he did it, and they allowed offense to remove them from the opportunity of receiving what God was doing in the moment. I know that seems like, oh, I would never. But check yourself. Because when he showed me that yesterday when I come out of the store, I began to realize that my preference of what I put over my face or not was keeping me so distracted and so frustrated that I couldn't even engage people and be the answer that they needed. I don't want to be disqualified from any moment. And I'm beginning to see now when he said... This, this glory that I, I, you gave me, I just gave it to them. Dad's been uh, doing some incredible teaching on stewardship. And after we had a talk recently, just where I was at and things that were happening and what was going on, I be, God began to show me the greatest fuel for good stewardship, and it's gratefulness. So when I begin to look into this and I begin to realize he told God the same glory that you gave me, I gave it to them. I begin to become so thankful and so grateful. And I thought, if I'm going to steward something well, let it be the glory that he gave me. Let it be the glory. I want to steward because I want to remain so thankful I want to remain so thankful for where he put me. I'm thankful he put me in Columbia, Louisiana. I was so thankful he put me there. Uh, for, I think it was Friday. I uh, was, did some work at the job. I came back here and did some work. I had to run into town and get a couple things. Well, I went by a store to buy something, and it ended up just the line was backed up. Things were going so slow, and I was stuck there forever, it seemed like. And I just kept waiting. I thought, my gosh, I'm never going to get out of here. And it held me up, and it held me up. Well, it held me up so long, got to the front. I was like, hey, this is the part I'm needing, only for him to be like, oh, yeah, we don't have it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, they ordered the part. I left. After being held up for so long, I come back, and I turned on this road. And when I come by, there was a truck parked right on the side of the road. And I, it kind of caught me off guard, and I was looking. And when I looked back, there was a young boy down there just waving his hands by the tree, trying to shut me down. I whipped it over, come back to it, uh, and come into a situation where it was a wreck, and it was his mom. And, and, and it was crazy because it was like God began to show me the providence in my life of being held up for so long because that young boy was going to need someone with the Spirit of God in them to show up into a moment of chaos where he was doing everything he could to hold it together and everything he could to take care of someone he loved. And he put me in that position. And then I begin to be so thankful. And I begin to say, God, thank you that you held me up so long. Thank you that through my aggravation and my unawareness, you put me in a position to invest in someone's life. And I was so thankful, and I began to steward the moment and reach out to the boy and connect with him on what was happening in his life. God was saying, you're the answer. I put you here because you have the answer in you. Stop praying for this to blow over and get done and be... No, 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 no. You're the answer. Can, can I say it like this? And I, I'm, I'm struggling with it even personally. You glorified is the answer. I know we take that term and I understand the reverence of it. I, I, please hear me. I understand the reverence of glory to God. Don't take me out of context. But Jesus said, I gave them this glory. And we know the process in our life is even referred to in the Bible as glorification. And you glorified is the answer to the world. <laughs> you glorified. But this is what struck me so, so hard. Jesus ran glory and unity parallel. He ran them right next to each other, and he does them both ways. <laughs> he says, God, make them one. Then he says, and I'll be glorified when they're one, and when they're one, 
I'm glorifying them. And he starts, you see what I'm saying? In other words, without his glory, we can't be one. And without being one, we can't show his glory. You see, you see the connection here. So you can have a great message. You can, you can be a go-getter. Talk to everyone. Engage everyone. But if you're not one here, he said, when we're one here, then they believe that I actually came and did what I did. But on the other side, you can fight for unity. You can say, this is what I want, Pastor. We're getting behind you. We're going to do whatever it takes. We want to see oneness. But if we don't step into this glory, this thing that Jesus gives us, we're not having the impact that we're designed to have. I've been so motivated this week. I don't even know how to say it. I was so excited to get up here and share with you guys. Because when I were again to read 17 and 22, and I could see Jesus excitedly telling the Father, the same glory you gave me, I gave it to them. And I believe Jesus went to the cross convinced that the guys he gave it to were going to turn the world upside down. I believe he went knowing I'm so convinced, I so believe in these guys, that I'm going to go through all this to make a way for and make it available that they become the answer. Can I get some music or something? I, I, I want to I prophesy some things, speak into some people for just a minute before we go. Uh, I believe with where dad has been taking us and with this word that God's calling us out of hiding. But let me say it this way and, and I want to say this the best way that I can. If you're not this He's not just giving you this glory. When I say that, you got to understand that's a place of prayer, intimacy with Him. If your heart is not this oneness in Him and oneness with these, then by all means, stay hidden. Just stay there. Okay? I bless you with that. But can I tell you, if God is dealing with you on some deep levels taking you into places of prayer and you come out saying, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what just happened. And in, in doing so, I believe your heart has to start pursuing oneness because it would be the heart of God. If that's you, can I tell you, wherever he's putting you right now in the community, Jesus is convinced you're the answer for that. Wherever you find yourself, Jesus in his prayer is convinced you're, you're the answer. <laughs> you guys are the answer. The whole Old Testament was filled with this mysterious something that was coming. And they prophesied about it and didn't understand it. And they were so excited about it. Something's coming that's going to change the world. They even prophesied something's coming that will make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our God and His Christ. And guess what that something was? You. The church. The church was coming. A body of Christ. A family that was so one that they began to impact the world. That's what was coming. That's what was prophesied. We get to be that. And we get to do it from the position of God said, Jesus said, the glory you gave me, I gave it to them. It made me think he trusted me with it. It makes me think he trusts me with it, Kenny. He trusts you with the kids at the school. He trusts you, Lindsay, with the kids of our church. He said, the same glory, I'm giving it to her because I trust her to do with it what needs to be done. You know, I'm totally convinced that the scripture's dad's been using out of Matthew where the, the rich man gave five, what is it, five, three, and one, five, two, and one, five something. I don't believe it was random. I believe it was based on trust. 
I'm convinced that he knew this dude right here, if I give him five, he's going to work. <laughs> Kenny, even sometimes when he gives it to us and we give it back, right? And then he turns around and says, you know what? Hey, God, I gave it to him again. I gave it right back to him. Because he trusts you with it. Kenny, I feel the heart of God, and he's just telling you the same glory that I had on earth, I gave it to you because I trust you with it. I trust you to do with it. Something that's going to impact kids forever. Hmm. Jennifer, I was in prayer this week. And God began to just bring you up in my prayer time a lot. I figured surely somebody needs to be praying for you at all times. <laughs> but I just kept, kept thinking about you in prayer a lot. and Not necessarily praying specific things, but I would be praying in the Spirit and I would think of you. So I knew the Holy Spirit was praying for you. And I was asleep about, I don't know, a few nights ago. Uh, for some reason, Courtney feels like she always has to wake me up when she gets up with Benjamin. And, uh, <laughs> no, but I woke up. Courtney was taking care of Benjamin. I just woke up. And when I woke up, I was thinking about you. And God began to tell me that the only thing that will have a bigger impact than your voice will be your interior world. And I just began to think about that concept and for one, he began to say, don't reserve your voice because of the impact that it's going to have. But he's going to put you in some situations where you don't have to use your voice. Your inner world will impact it. Just you being there. You know, it says, it says they would bring people close to Peter. And the Bible uses the word shadow, that his shadow would heal them. But let me teach you something, kids. That didn't mean that if you were on the wrong side of the road and his shadow was over here, you didn't get healed. That's not what that meant. What that meant was he had a, what, what I like to call, uh, effervescence. That's that thing when you get close to somebody, and we call it vibes. You ever get that? Be like, I don't know about that, dude. You got weird vibes. You know what I'm saying? That's called an effervescence. And when you're someone who prays and pursues God like, like Miss Jennifer does, it creates an effervescence in you, and people get vibes off of you. And Peter's vibes <laughs> were so much like Jesus that his vibes would heal him. Oh, come on. That's too good. That's too good. Jennifer, that's yours. That's yours. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.